Good morning, Dr. Philip. Good morning, Belle. Oh, good to good have morning, you in Vinnie. the studio with us. It's good to be here. I'm now, glad he's not wearing a Liverpool jersey. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Let's get straight to the first article. Now, this uh, study finds that survivors of COVID-19 show an increased rate of psychiatric disorders. So, mm. the question is, why are COVID-19 survivors more likely to experience psychiatric disorders survivors yeah. as in people who have healed the infection and yeah. healed. from the infection yeah. yeah yeah this is a study recently published in the brain behavior and immunity journal where 402 covid-19 survivors were surveyed and this was using self-reporting questionnaires and they found that 31 percent had significant depression symptoms 28 percent ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder 42 percent anxiety uh, which included 20% of OCD and 40% had insomnia. So overall, more than 50% had a psychiatric morbidity and it was higher among women and those with past psychiatric history, of course, but also higher among young people. The biological factors that may, you know, have influenced this was perhaps, you know, the immunity inflammation index, which basically showed that low immunity levels and high inflammation can actually trigger off conditions like depression and anxiety. Mm. You know, when we have an infection that actually affects our brain and all our organs and it causes inflammation, then it can leave us with, you know, long-lasting depression and anxiety problem. This was actually even observed in survivors of SARS and the MERS outbreak in the past as well. So eventually it can be due to a direct viral infection effect on the CNS or indirectly through an immune response that triggers inflammation. But also there are other factors like, you know, if you have COVID-19 and you're in hospital, you are isolated. Mm. You don't have visitors, there's a lot of loneliness. You're worried about bad outcomes as well. So, you know, the psychological, physical factors that contribute to the whole problem as well. Like hospitalization. When you get hospitalized, right, yeah. does that make you at higher risk of getting some kind of psychiatric disorders? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done studies looking at uh, general population versus hospital populations. And in the hospital population, they always outnumber the general population with psychiatric mental health problems. So, for example, a study that we did in the medical wards of a hospital here in Malaysia, we found that 40% who were admitted had either depression or anxiety symptoms. Mm. Now, the general population prevalence rate is about 20%. So it's definitely higher in people who do get admitted and people who are suffering from an illness as well. Mm. So why? Because of the general gloominess or the, the trauma that people go through in the hospital? Well, put yourself in that you know period when you had your last flu or fever and you were down and out. I mean, you definitely had a mood component to that whole thing as mm. well. Now, that's just a simple URTI or, you know, upper respiratory tract infection. But if you have something that's more sinister, then it can be a combination of both the infection affecting your immunity and causing inflammation, plus you trying to deal with the whole illness as well. So when we're down and out and we're exhausted, it affects our mental health as well. Now, this next one is a funny one, according to um, JD. Now, research finds that people who laugh more may be better at dealing with stress. 
Now, how does laughter actually helps us deal with stress? You know, many years ago, I remember a former Minister of Health of Malaysia suggesting we develop laughter rooms in our hospitals. But the truth is, laughter has great stress-relieving properties. When you start to laugh, it doesn't just lighten your load mentally, but it also induces physical changes. In fact, it stimulates many organs through enhancing intake of oxygen and then that helps to control your stress response the fight flight fright system and so in fact laughter actually has shown to reduce heart rates and blood pressure and it can create muscle relaxation and stimulates blood circulation throughout your body so these are mainly the short term effects but the long term effects are immune system enhancement you know it makes your immune system a lot more responsive it relieves pain and it increases personal satisfaction uh, making you cope with things better overall it improves your mood so it is actually something that you can work on your own to help yourself feel better as well is it the same effect though if you fake your laughter yeah so actually humor can be learned we can actually manipulate our lives to include humor or laughter when we need it there are things like you know we can have some cues on your phone or in the desk or in the office or you know a photograph that you look at and reminds you of some funny thing or recording of some jokes that you appreciate for your you know drive back in the traffic jam sometimes we can even practice laughter to deal with stress i mean we usually advice distraction substitution as ways to cope with negative thoughts so you know when we're under stress we can actually try and just use laughter to as a way to cope with it even if it's forced in fact laughter therapy is a real treatment it's something that people recommend there's also laughter yoga we do a healthy aging conference every 2 years and usually in the morning in the start of the conference we always have laughter therapy people are all so comfortable throughout the conference i think we have the least number of people going on shopping and doing other stuff during conferences they're all seated there and really excited about the whole conference you know sort of uh, activities so so does it mean that when you're feeling down next time or when you're stressed Fake out it. just <laughs> Bigger. Just start laughing out loud. Absolutely. The deeper and the bigger your laughter is, the more it actually helps you distract from your stress and issues and you know it just takes away the anxiety related to it. Wow. Which is why they do laughter yoga, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So even if it's fake, it will still give the same effect to your body. It will still give the same effect. Yes. So this one uh talks about how pregnant women can manage their anxiety levels because of the fluctuation of hormones and bodily changes mm. um what causes the feelings of stress and anxiety in pregnant women that's a question yeah well actually stress is a normal reaction to change and pregnancy is a huge change especially if it's the first pregnancy it can be good for us because you know when we're stressed it pushes us to take action to face the new challenges but too much can be overwhelming and that leads to problems in the baby and in the mother we all have you know individualized stress threshold mm. you know we can't compare ourselves with others with this person had you know so many different events in their life and they coped we can't say we're the same even if it's in our own family so the, it it relies on many factors like our genes our childhood past experiences like maybe bullying or abuse or even health conditions later during pregnancy it can be issues like difficulties in the marriage or financial problems or in-law issues you know or substance use problems or even being 
overloaded with advice from others. You know, yeah. everyone wants to help the mother know what to do. Coupled with changes physically and in hormone levels, all this can combine together to cause an increased risk of anxiety and depression. But isn't it like the happiest time of your life? I thought you know, no, <laughs> no really, no. <laughs> No, I think we overlook the fluctuations of hormones yeah. and bodily changes before and after we give birth. Yeah. That a lot of people are just looking at the baby, you know, oh, yeah. baby's here, you should be happy okay. and all that. Exactly. But we should pay more attention to the mothers, actually, because apparently 13% of women who have just given birth experience mm. some form of mental disorder, primarily depression, yep. what we call postpartum depression. Postpartum depression, yeah. Actually, universal values are about 20%. They put postpartum depression at about 20% of especially first pregnancies. Of course, there is postpartum blues, which is not an illness. It, you know, sort of uh, subsides and gets better on its own. And it doesn't last typically more than two weeks. But postpartum depression is something that's more long-standing and can interfere with, you know, mothering and also with day-to-day activities as well. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what you said, Bell, many women actually focus on preparing for their infants and sometimes tend to ignore their own mental health. Mm-hmm. I think during this pandemic, it's even more important to be, you know, included now. And because there's concern about COVID-19, there's the isolation, going to hospital for antenatal checkups, there's the fear. There may be lack of compassion and family during childbirth, which is really important to mm. prevent anxiety and depression. So, you know, therapy one-to-one, uh, that can be really helpful. Expectant mother support groups can be useful as well but also practice stress relieving techniques and that can be done together with your partner like you know going for walks and having communication with others laughter therapy you know it would be really helpful or even do a gratitude journal and uh, yeah and I think pick it up if it uh, comes up early uh, in antenatal checkups and get professional help the soon as you can Mm. but they have all these Mood swings, though. Do we, so uh, for the men yeah. to try to help them. Do we just leave them alone to deal with it, or no? We need to be supportive and understand that this is both biological and it's not under their own control right. sometimes. Okay. And so you know, being there, supporting them, and telling them, "I'm here if you need." But if things go, you know, a little array and, you know, there's more too much anxiety or depression, then it's important to look at looking for professional help. All right. This next article claims that anxiety disorders are a risk factor for Alzheimer's and vascular disease, Mm. especially with older adults. So how can anxiety actually lead to Alzheimer's and dementia? Actually, a review of research by the University of Southampton suggests that anxiety increases your risk of dementia. Uh, In this review of 40,000 participants, there was a positive connection between moderate and severe anxiety and the likelihood of developing dementia in later life. Some of the postulates that this study suggests is one that anxiety can cause your brain to age faster because it actually tends to shorten your DNA telomere lengths. You know, these are the arms of your DNA, which actually weakens the DNA and then makes your cells age faster. Actually, exercise is found to do the complete opposite. Mm. So, you know, you can actually counter it if you do exercise regularly. Interesting. Yeah. And anxiety also affects your memory cells. One of the things that most people with anxiety report is they have poor memory of things because all their energy is spent on the fight, flight, fright system. You know, you don't have enough to actually help with memories being formed. 
And of course, people with anxiety also lose sleep. And this definitely contributes to poor memory because sleep is when memories are consolidated. Also, finally, there's neuroplasticity. This is basically... Our brain is a very dynamic and, you know, sort of active organ. It is growing and decaying on its own, uh, related to things that we do in our life. So as we age, of course, some parts of the brain decay, but that gets accelerated when anxiety occurs. So some cells actually start to die because of anxiety. Mm. So what's the best way that we can help our elders sort of boost their mood or avoid this anxiety, anxiety. disorder? Yeah, well, actually, there are many factors that lead to increased anxiety in elderly. And so understanding what the triggers are will help to maybe reduce or prevent these issues. Uh, some of them include social isolation, increased medical morbidities, and then being on medication, financial challenges or disabilities, and of course, recent losses, uh, both you know, social, meaning they've lost their family, friends, peers, or even physical and mental losses as well. But elderly, I mean, people in the older age group can actually help reduce these risks by, one, maintaining routines, you know, having a schedule, keeping themselves occupied and busy as well, accepting their fears and feelings. This is part of, you know, aging and I got to accept this. And then practice mindfulness and meditation, stay active and healthy, do regular exercise, uh, stay busy with activities that remind them of happier times, like, you know, connecting with old friends and uh, maybe even writing their own memoirs or stories. The important thing is also mental stimulation because, like I mentioned, the neuroplasticity bit of the brain, mm -hmm. uh, nerve cells regrow when we stimulate them. And that's through mental and physical stimulation. That means, you know, taking up a new language, maybe learning a new course or... Uh, and of, of course, physical exercise as well. Does having grandkids around help? Yes, it does. It actually gives a sense of purpose and definitely reduces social isolation. But of course, there has to be a balance because, you know, when you overdo it, as you age, you don't have that much energy and you can't expect and uh, anticipate, well, the grandparents are going to do A to Z for their grandkids. Yeah. And they need their me time as well. Right. So don't have nightmare grandkids and then they'll be fine. <laughs> no, don't just dump your kids with your exactly. parents. Exactly. Have parents who yeah. can actually give them some respite as well. Yeah. Now, research has long studied the association between indoor artificial light and our mental health. But mm. a few studies have actually looked at the impact of the outdoor artificial lights, yeah. like our street lamps and, and all that, right. especially in teens' sleep patterns. Right. Yeah. So how important is light or mm. artificial or mm. non-artificial light to good sleep quality, doctor? Yeah, actually there are many factors that influence sleep. And as we know, sleep is important for restoration. The NREM sleep or non-rapid eye movement sleep, or also known as deep sleep, is important for physical restoration. And then the REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, or also known as dream sleep, is important for mental re uh, restoration. So apart from you know things like caffeine, heavy night meals, poor sleep schedules, lack of exercise, exposure to artificial light, which comes from your phone, its charger, the iPad or laptop will all contribute to poor quality of sleep. But this study actually explored the impact of outdoor artificial light on especially teens and found that high levels of outdoor light corresponds with less sleep and higher levels of mental health problems for teens. As we age, our sleep needs uh, reduce. 
But teens from the age of 12 to 19, they need about 9 to 10 hours of sleep. Nobody tells them this, you know. That's yeah. a sad thing because a study showed that on average, 90% of teens get about 5 or less hours a day. And it's often due to their gadgets and poor yeah. night habits. Mm-hmm. And so, Also, they need up to 10 hours still as teens. Absolutely. What happened to the 8 hours good sleep that everybody keeps talking about? 10 hours that's is a adults. long time. Right, okay. That's adult. So, you know, as a toddler, or a little baby you're sleeping most of the day right and then your sleep needs actually decrease but they don't just go from you know 15 hours a day to 6 or 7 right right they it, gradually, it gradually reduce. reduces right. because okay. while we're going through our adolescent periods we also have a brain that's still developing there's parts of our body that are still in development they're not fully developed as we're born so you don't give that period of restoration and building of your body, then, you know, you're going to lose that. Does it mean that we'll have to sleep well only in a dark room, a very dark room with no artificial light from outside or inside? Yeah, I mean, from this research actually does suggest that, that, you know, we need to maybe look at blacking out our rooms so that the artificial light from outside, not just inside, doesn't interfere with our sleep. And this is especially more important in teens because they seem to be more sensitive to this. So, in fact, the lack of sleep in teens can actually affect both physical and mental health and it can have a huge impact, as we mentioned earlier, on memories because, you know, memories get consolidated through sleep. So, you know, if you're a student, you're doing the night oil and trying to catch up on things and you only sleep a little bit, you might actually perform less or worse than, you know, others who are sleeping 10 hours or 9 hours. Right. And sleep deprivation in teens can especially cause more sort of uh, risky behavior like drug and alcohol use, feelings of depression and thoughts of even suicide. It's also very commonly associated with obesity and migraines and can increase risk of bipolar disorder and anxiety disorders, especially phobias. Wow, all that connected with sleep. But the problem is, if you live in a city, like in an urban setting, let's say you live in a condo near KLCC, it's lit all night. Invest in thick curtains. (laughs) Right. Yeah, but what if you can't, (laughs) you don't even know whether it's night or day, you wake up at like noon. (laughs) So, I mean, our body has its own circadian rhythm. And we have hormones that are released at certain times of the day. That actually gives us a body clock. Right. So, you know, it doesn't matter if your room's pitch dark. Your body knows, you know, it's it's morning. Yeah, we've got to wake up.